Hello and welcome to the first Calibre Audio Library podcast. My name is Emma and today I've got with me James Hello. and Denise. Hello. And what we're going to do today is we're going to be discussing um, an author that we all want to champion. So this is somebody that we've picked out that we just think deserves a, a go and we're going to try and convince you to try them if you haven't already. We're also going to pick a book that this year we're going to read. So we're going to pledge to read sometime during 2019, a book that either we might have had on our shelves for ages or it might just be an author we've always wanted to try and we've never got round to. But again, we're going to sort of uh, let you know what that is. Um, And hopefully, if we actually achieve it, then at the end of the year, we might come back and and (laughs) say to you what we've done and uh, tell you a little bit about the book. Hopefully, the aim is to to achieve it and to read the book. So um, that's what we're aiming for. So I think we're going to let James go first with his author to champion, if that's all right. James, what's the author that you're going to champion, or the book even? Well, I was going to say, the author I've gone for is Ben McIntyre. He's quite well known anyway, but it was was a really difficult challenge, I have to say, to choose one. I I was almost tempted to fall back on the one I always I think we all found that, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, no, I need to try somebody else. And I was trying to think back at books that really stuck with me because there's so many that I've read that I've enjoyed, but it was ones where they still felt fresh, that I could still remember them. And so Ben McIntyre's A Spy Among Friends was one that I read probably a year or two ago, and it's still one that I can kind of quite well remember. So that's who I've gone for. He, He tends to... I mean, people who know him will know the themes that he tends to pick on. He tends to do things around World War II and um, obviously uh, intelligence and the various, especially the development, I think, of the MI5 and MI6 networks. And to be honest, war books and history, I quite enjoy history, but it's not really a theme I'm interested Mm. in. But intelligence is. I've always had quite an interest in the MI5 and MI6 networks and especially the Cambridge Spies. I've I've always enjoyed that. I think there's something. I, I don't know. It's it's they're anti heroes because obviously yeah. they were betraying the country. But there's some. I, I don't know whether it's because it's the fifties and you know forties, fifties, sixties. They were a bit debonair. They were a bit upper class, and they had that kind of that sense that they were above everybody else, yeah. and that they had this this swagger. But and to get that far, to get that far into the establishment without being spotted. I think there's just something about it that's that's always appealed. And Kim Philby, who obviously A Spy Among Friends is mainly about, um, he was, you know, he betrayed the country, but he was very charming. He was he was very capable of, of getting people to do what he wanted. And so he's a fascinating character. Did that come over in the book? So did very much. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say, Ben, one thing I liked about him and the reason I've championed him is he's really good at getting into the characters. So he's very good at giving you a sense of who they are. And especially with Kim Philby, he's very good at taking him from his overconfident younger years, his decline into alcoholism and everything else. And right. I mean, the nice thing with the history book is there's no real spot uh, plot spoilers because yeah. <laughs> it's out there, it's general knowledge. But you, you get that, that sense of disillusionment coming in and and just the whole thing not being quite what he thought it was going to be in the end. And, you know, especially towards the end, his time in Moscow and, you know, his death, you, you it, it feels very tragic, very pathetic almost, you know, that this, what he thought was going to be this amazing thing. Mm. So did it read... Almost like a novel, is it? One of those yeah. non-fiction that... 
I think that's yeah. what he's very. I mean, he's done Operation Mincemeat is another one, and which I think is about uh, Ian Fleming was involved in that, wasn't he? And Agent Zigzag is another one that he's sort of very famous for. And I think that's why his books are popular is because he manages to take quite dry mm. subject. And the one thing I, w I would say with him is he seems to research. You know, he must do so much planning and research. So he goes through all the dry documents and then he turns it into a, a, a gripping story. Mm -hmm. And it is a thriller. And, you know, you get that. It's kind of got that John le Carre feel, that, that Ian Fleming feel where... It's not just, and then this happened, and then in 1942 this happened. It's, you know, you really invest in the characters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the people around him as well, around Kim Philby, that you you feel for as he leads them along and and he uses everybody to get what mm -hmm. he wants. And so, and that all manages, yeah, he manages to get that. He manages to mm -hmm. kind of pick that. And I think he finds letters and records that, that a few other people don't notice and he can add that in but yeah he's so like like sort of denise was saying with the question about it reading more like a, a novel is it the sort of book that actually someone who enjoys spy thrillers and things like that they might pick up if they think yeah. particularly all non-fiction is not for me it might be one that definitely people might enjoy anyway definitely yeah. i mean i think my route to him was actually through le carre it was oh, you know right. I'd, I'd, I'd read the looking glass war and i'd read a couple of the others and I'd already had, as I said, I, there was a BBC programme a while ago where they did the Cambridge Spies. Had Tom Holland, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember. He played Rev. Yeah. But, um, and he was in it. And so that was sort of, all oh, the Cambridge Spies. I'd, I'd heard of them, but got more of an idea. Um, and then, yeah, so I was reading Le Carre. And so I started this. I wasn't sure what it was going to be like, but because it had Kim Philby, I was mm. interested in it. But it definitely reads like a novel. It's, you know, you don't feel like you are just being given information. You and is that true of the other books by Ben McIntyre? Have you read any of the other? No, I'm, I'm about to do The Spy and the Traitor. That's his, his latest one. But this is, this is my only introduction to him. It's kind of one of the ones I've done. So you get that, you get that sense of a book. It's, it's interesting as you read it that you you get that pace you you get that oh, what's going to happen next and so it's, it's quite, not a dry no, non-fiction read definitely not and that's the interesting thing with it because it's not even like there's going to be a surprise at the end it's it's one of those things it is down to the writing because you know how it all pans out you know what happens to Kim Philby yet when you're reading it and especially as they close in when he's quite high up and he's mm. and he starts to become very paranoid about the people around him and what's happening, and he's desperately fighting to not be uncovered. You, you, you're with him. You're with him. You feel that that tension, and so it sounds like a film film plot as well, doesn't it? It's kind of um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is. It's an amazing book. It is an amazing book. I do have uh, one bit I can read yeah, yeah. from it. It's again. It's it, as I said. There's no real plot spoilers in it, but this is quite famous. This is when he's about to um, give his press interview which is quite famous. You can watch it on uh, YouTube and things. They've, they've got him giving his interview to the press where he tried to get in front of everything. And I won't read the whole thing because it does cover basically the whole of the interview. But what I wanted to do is, this is just kind of the style he writes in and, and you know, his, his analysis. So, what followed was a dramatic tour de force, a display of cool public dishonesty that few politicians or lawyers could match. There was no trace of a stammer, no hint of nerves or embarrassment. Philby looked the world in the eye with a steady gaze and lied his head off. 
Footage of Philby's famous press conference is still used as a training tool by MI6, a masterclass in mendacity. So, you know, he, he has all of this sort of side bits as well. And, and, and that's it. That's, I think that's why he's such a fascinating character, is there's not a lot to love about him, but you can't deny the man's talent mm. at being able to fool everybody. And I think that's, that's the fascination that Ben McIntyre had as well. Well, you've convinced me. Good. <laughs> so, yeah, I would give it, I'd definitely give it a go. Um, yeah, so, Denise, do you want to yeah. champion what you're... Yours so, I've chosen an author, Elizabeth Strout, and I suppose I'm going to talk more about why I like her in particular. Um, she lives and writes about New England, and the first novel I came across was one called Olive Kitteridge, and that's been made into a TV series in the US. I think it's available on one of the uh, Netflix or Amazon, I forget which. Um, and it won the Pulitzer Prize. It has been described as a book of short stories, but to be honest, I didn't feel that that's what it was. Um, the chapters are more cohesive than that, and certainly um, the whole book is about a town in New England and about the different characters in it, but each chapter has a slight different focus and is set in a different, slightly different time. So it does move about a bit. Um, but what you get is uh, people's individual stories emerging and merging chapter by chapter. Um, her real skill is, well, they're, they're a very easy read. You just read it and you sort of gorge yourself on it. It's beautifully written and you just don't want to put it down. Um, it's a bit like sitting around a kitchen table with some relatives talking about perhaps, you know, your hometown, the people who used to live in it, the people who live in it now and they're related to so-and-so and do you remember the time when this happened and it was a bit of a scandal and sometimes, you know, they're a bit judgmental or mostly with her writing, it's very compassionate. You get the bare story, you get people's opinions of events. And I think basically it feeds our fascination with other people's lives mm. and the stories. And it, it's a deeply satisfying read. It's a, you know, it's a human thing. We're just so interested in other people and how they live their lives. And this is what you get in a very low-key sort of way, not overly dramatic. You wouldn't say they're, you know, intricately plotted or anything. They're, they're stories about real people. Um, so that was the first one that I read. And I so enjoyed it. I obviously went looking for some more. And my favourite one is one called Abide With Me. Now, that was written earlier on in her career, and it's about a widowed church minister and his five-year-old daughter, and they serve a small town in New England, and he's really struggling with the death of his wife, having to cope with a small child, and serving his parish as well. And it's again, paints a picture of someone really struggling some of his congregation are not very helpful. 
there's the whole sort of gossip machine going on about why his child is struggling socially and is deeply affected as well from a mother's death. And it's all sort of spiralling, you know, and he's getting further and further into depression. And it sounds really depressing, the whole book does, <laughs> but you sort of go with it. And I have seen reviews where they say, oh, it's terribly sort of melancholy read. But ultimately, it's quite uplifting. There are very good people in his congregation. There are very um, sympathetic people. There are people who make throwaway comments that are deeply, you know, hurtful yeah. towards him and his family. And it's just a beautiful read. And so I, as, a, as an author then, do you think she's got her real sort of finger on the pulse of human emotions and how people oh, interact definitely. with each other? And Yeah, yeah, very much so. You know, that sort of writer, a bit like Anne Tyler or oh, yeah. Yeah. that sort of book, where you're just immersing yourself in, in a community almost and, and the different factions and different people and attitudes and, and what have you. Um, and, and, you you know, it really draws you into the yeah. story that they're, they're really good stories. Um, I don't she, know anything about her, but I wonder no. if she lives somewhere that is in a community, so she's taken her... I get the idea story. that she does live that sort of life. Um, I haven't done, you know, a lot of research on her, but all her books are like that. Yeah. Um, and the same people do crop up. They may have had just a very slight mention uh in a previous book and you think oh I've heard of them somewhere before but yeah. perhaps not really figured large and then she's developed their whole backstory if you like um, she did one called My Lame Name is Lucy Barton and that was about a young woman who managed to escape the small town she came from a very poor family but she makes it big as a, an author and she has a very difficult relationship with her mother and the story is about the toings and froings between them and, and looking at the backstory, why the relationship was so difficult and so it goes on. And again, you hear about some of the characters that figured in earlier books. And I think, oh, I haven't read all of her books, but I think they pretty much draw on the same people from that same town or different people from the same town. It'd be interesting. I wonder if it's quite autobiographical. You know, you get the feeling that, especially with know. a famous author, yes. and the thing is well, that yeah, so yeah, yes, I, I don't know anything about her at all, really. But yeah, that begs that question. Yeah. Um. So that's why I like um, Elizabeth Strout, and I've still got a couple more of her books to read. And it? correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure, but are they they're not well. The ones I've seen anyway aren't that long. So she seems to pack an awful lot into. Um. They're not particularly long. I mean. Given how long some books can be yeah. these days, yeah, I would say they were sort of on the shorter side. Yeah. So but if you yes. weren't sure, if you tried yes. it, you're not, you know, it's, it's no. quite easy to get. And also it's the sort of book that I would go back and read again. And I don't generally do that. Very rare for me to read a book a second time. Mm. But having looked over them again now and forgotten so much because they so, they're so richly textured, there's so much in there that I will go back and, and read them again. I always think that's a good advocation of it anyway, yeah. if you want to return to a book, because there's so many books to read, isn't Definitely. there? So, um, yeah. 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 
Right, well, that's quite a tough act to follow. <laughs> so I'm going, particularly as well, I'm going for a, an author that writes in a genre that, that's very popular, so sort of in the crime psychological thriller area. The author I've chosen appeared on the scene, I think it's about three, three years ago with her first debut novel. She's only written three since. The third one's actually only just recently gone out. But I'm champion Claire McIntosh, who first came on the scene with a book called I Let You Go. Now, I came across this... Um, and it's quite hard sometimes because with this genre there's so much on the market you don't always yeah. know what to pick because there's you know it's just it's just so much choice so i actually read about this in a i think it was a book magazine that i was reading and it got it was getting quite a lot of hype at the time and i have to say i went against everything i believe in because if a book is hugely hyped up i i sort of tend to leave it for a bit <laughs> and then go go to it when nobody's talking about it anymore but I, so I thought, no, I'll, I'll give this a go because it's it sounds very good. Um, and I have to say, she's just got. She, I was hooked from the beginning. I probably read it in sort of two or three sittings because it was just that good. It was a book where I just love it because you you start on it and she takes you just you think you think with a lot of crime or psychological thrillers you can think oh I think I know where this is going and, and you may or may not be right but you're so um when she starts you sort of think yeah no I know who did this but she twists she's got <laughs> such great twists um and that and ones that you wouldn't see coming from you know a million miles away and I just I was hooked because her writing style just makes you want to read on and that to me is always a yeah you know a good thing with an author so I let you go um it's I'm gonna I, I, I don't to spoil it because I'm <laughs> if I tend to I tend to sort of um, give too much information away so I don't want to do any plot spoilers but the, the main pre- premise is um, the main character is called Jenna and all you know about her is that she's on the run because she's run over a five-year-old boy so she's basically distraught and gone on the run and you sort of go from there um, but it's just no no plot spoilers but it's it's not all quite what it seems um and as you go along the police investigation is runs alongside so you hear jenna and what she's going through and the police investigation that's sort of um running running through it too so i I don't know a great deal about the author but i know that she did work for the police force for at least i think it was 12 years um before finishing to to go into journalism and, and become an author so as you're reading the police procedure you get a real feel that it is authentic because obviously she'd have a huge background in it so that kind of makes it um, a lot more enjoyable as well so it, I, I think it's good for people as well there's some thrillers and crime can, can obviously be quite graphic in their violence or um, because that's just the nature of them and if you read them a lot you, you get used to that but this is a good one for people that may you know don't tend to like that sort of thing because there isn't any of it it's just a real good turn the page sort of thriller really where you don't know what's going to happen next it's interesting what you said because i've I've read it and it's sort of half police procedural when you read the police bits and then you've got the psychological thriller bit when you hear the other side of the story so the mixture of the two together is is quite interesting and and the police part of it is quite convincing me yeah yeah no I, I really felt um that and I, I think uh, which also made me I was in a bit of trepidation about reading the second one because you sort of it you go into a debut you've you've hit the mark so well on the head you know and you sort of you're always a little bit worried if they can keep it up afterwards but I have to say the second one um which came out a little about a year or so afterwards it's called I See You 
as I was reading, I thought, oh, you know, I'm not sure, but I wasn't disappointed at all. Um, it's a, the, the basic premise of this is it's the, the book is all about a website that's basically being used by men to stalk women. And I would say it's as good, if not better. Um, so marginally better. Yeah. So, and that's <laughs> that's quite something, yeah, you know, to, yeah. to do that. And so, so I'm obviously I'm, I'm looking forward to you know, getting hold of the third one as well. Um, it's the sort of book I don't have to, and this isn't, I don't mean this in a derogatory way at all, because I, you know, I read for pleasure and I read to learn and um, all sorts of things. But this is what I would call one of my comfort reads in that I go to it and I know that I'm, you know, she's an author that now I think I can yeah. be convinced that I know I'm just going to pick it up. I don't have to think about it necessarily, but I'm going to read it and think, yeah, that was good. And the other thing where I know, I always think it's a, a good benchmark for me is um, when I read I Let You Go, I immediately thought of, I think it was three friends that I was going to buy the book for. So I went out and bought the book for them. And then that then meant that we sort of then talk, spoke about the books. I had a little mini book group afterwards because <laughs> <laughs> they, again, they enjoyed it. So, yeah, I think if you like, you know, if you just like sort of psychological thrillers, which aren't, they're not particularly graphic or violent anyway. And uh, things like, so I guess the main comparisons might be authors like Paula Hawkins of Girl on a Train fame and uh, people like Jane Harper who's a fairly new debut author as well they're just they're just really good page turners and it'll it'll keep you reading so that would be I think she would be mine um, there's, but as you say there were so many to choose from it was quite yeah. hard to pick pick your, your sort of one to champion so yes yeah, so in that case I hope we've convinced some people to, to give those authors and, and books a try so we're going to go on now to speak about the book that we think or we're hoping, <laughs> we're pledging <laughs> to read in 2019 to sort of, yeah, get, go ahead and, and get, get it on our reading list. So who wants to go first? I don't know. Yeah, I go can go. go. I was going to say, well, I'm going <laughs> to cheat, actually. While sitting here, I've changed my mind. Oh, again. <laughs> well, no, I have, because, again, the whole, the whole conversation was making me think, because the other person I was thinking of doing champing was Sarah Perry, because originally I was going to do Proust, Remembrance of Things Past, because that's very virtuous. It's one of those books that everyone should read. And I've heard it is a really good book, but it is huge. And I do have two young children and, and I basically read <laughs> last thing at night. And so I just feel that's that's a car crash waiting to happen. And so I think I'd rather save that for when I have a bit more time when the kids are older. But I still this is a good excuse for me to grab Melmoth, Sarah yeah. Perry's new book because I haven't picked it up yet because it's one of those ones where it'll go on my I must read it but I haven't got the time and this is a good excuse and again it's another author I would have championed um, I know you weren't a huge fan of After Me Comes the Flood. No, uh, but she, she changed my mind um, with, the with the Essex Serpent. Serpent. So, yeah, yeah no, I, I persevered and carried on. And actually, I'm glad that I did because um, if normally if I read a book, I, it takes me forever to get round to the second, you know, another one by them if I've really not enjoyed that book. Mm. But kind of in talking to you, and I had the book as well. I thought, oh, no, I will. It was on my reading path quite yeah. well. But I wish I'd read it sooner as soon as I read it. So, yeah, she, she definitely... Yeah, in the corner for me. So I would read Melmoth. I was going to say, and that, it yeah. sounds an amazing premise. I mean, mm. I know that the, the Melmoth story has been around for. I don't know if it is a folk tale. I think is it a folk tale or it's. I think it's based. Is it because she, the yeah, Essex Serpent was mm. as well, wasn't it? That yeah. was sort of based on a, a yeah kind of yeah. A fable sort of thing. So yeah, so, I, th I believe so. Yeah, with her writing style, it's it's one that I'm. I'm at least the next time we meet and we talk about it, I mm. should have actually read it rather than me going. Well, I wanted to, but I didn't have time. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna go with Sarah Perry's Good Melmoth. Choice. Right, my go-to sort of comfort read, though you wouldn't call it comfort, I suppose, crime and detective books, and 
a while ago at Calibre, we did a book by an author called Mark Douglas Home, which was called The Woman the Woman Who Walked Into the Sea. But what we realised, it was the second book in a series. So I've been waiting and waiting, and we've now done the first book in the series called The Sea Detective. So finally, I've got my hands on the print book so I can read The Sea Detective, swiftly followed by The Woman Who Walked Into the Sea. And it's quite appealing because it's set, or at least The Sea Detective is, uh, set in Scotland. Um, some says about different islands off the coast of Scotland. And it's about a chap based in Edinburgh who's an oceanographer and environmentalist and one-of-a-kind investigator. And it quotes, using his knowledge of the waves, ocean currents, prevailing winds, shipping records, McGill can track where objects have come from and where they've gone. It's a unique skill that can help solve all sorts of mysteries. So it sounds right up my street. I love the west coast of Scotland. Well, I love Scotland anyway, but I spent some time on the west coast. Mm, so, you know, it ticks all the boxes. And I'd be very surprised if I hadn't read it <laughs> quite quickly. <laughs> that might be a good holiday read, actually. Well, I'm not waiting that long. Oh, there we go. <laughs> very good, very good. So to end with then, my uh, the, the book that I'm sort of pledging to read this year, it's a bit of a long story, actually, and I've got to take you back 14 years ago. I think it's 14 years, <laughs> it might be longer. So uh, this was when I was on holiday in Stratford-upon-Avon. And I uh, stumbled across a second-hand bookshop, as you do in these little towns. And, of course, you, can't, you just can't resist going no. in. It's like candy mm -hmm. uh, to a baby. So I went in and spent some time sort of uh, looking around the shelves. And I picked up a copy of The Willows in Winter by William Horwood. Oh, was it William Horwood? Um, yeah, William Horwood, sorry. I thought, well, I've, I didn't actually realise that a sequel had been written to Kenneth Graham's Wind in the Willows. So I, it was a lovely hardback copy. Um, and I picked it and, and sort of bought it and took it home with me. And I thought, well, do you know what? That would be a really nice thing to read over one winter. Yeah. And I discovered a flaw in my plan because I remembered that I hadn't actually read The Wind in the Willows by <laughs> Kenneth Graham. <laughs> So I thought, well, I must. A bit like my story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I thought, well, I must, I must obviously read that first because I do things in order. That, that has to be done. So I then went and, and got myself a copy of Wind in the Willows. And dutifully, those two books have sat on my shelf for all of those years. Because every time winter comes around, I think, oh, I must quickly read Wind in the Willows. And then another winter passes by. Yeah. So actually, although it sounds like I'm pledging to read Willows in Winter. I'm not. I, what I really want to do is sometime this year actually get round to reading the classic tale of Wind in the Willows with Ratty and Badger and Molly, uh, just to enable that another winter doesn't pass without me having read yeah. this Willows in Winter. So it is a bit of a double whammy, I guess, but the actual book I'm pledging to read is The Wind in the Willows. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're sort of hoping that we all get through it. And if we do, then we'll be back at the end of the... Or even if we don't, because we can give an excuse as to why we haven't done it and then everybody can see if we forgive them. So, yes, we'll, we'll try and do that and uh, come back and tell you what we thought of them at the end of the year. So everything that we've been spoken about today is available in Calibre's audio library um, to borrow. But all that leaves me to say is thank you very much for everybody for speaking and just to say goodbye. So goodbye. Until next time. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs>